hi welcome back to another edition of the spike bar podcast this week's uh, interview is with jamie donaldson um jamie is somebody i've had the fortune to get to know over the last couple of years and his field of expertise is green reading and in particular aimpoint green reading uh, which has started to become more and more prevalent and well known to everybody across the world of golf um, just given kind of the rise of it being used in the professional game, um, you see the likes of uh, Justin Rose, DJ, uh, Lydia Ko on the LPGA Tour using it and using it to great effect. And obviously they've had uh, fabulous results over recent years. Um, I wanted to get Jamie on for a couple of reasons. One, um, Aimpoint has really helped my game. When I uh, was fortunate enough to be introduced to Jamie a couple of years ago, um, it's really helped improve my game as an amateur. And I think it could probably help yours as well. Um, and uh, getting to know a little bit more about it, we talk about some of the misnomers and misunderstandings about Aimpoint and what it's all about. Uh, Jamie gives a great insight to you know, what his aims are and, and what it is all about. So um, hopefully you you get to take something away from that. And nothing else, um, you know, Jamie's just a super humble, down-to-earth guy. Um, and we talk about a couple of different subjects as well. Uh, most notably, he shares a couple of stories at the end, um, just sharing, sharing a name with another famous golfer who just so happened to win the Ryder Cup. Uh, he shares a couple of stories that are well worth listening to at the back end of the podcast. Um, but without further ado, let's get straight into uh, the interview. Here he is, Jamie Donaldson. Hi, welcome back to the Spike Bomb Podcast. This week, I'm with Jamie Donaldson. Jamie, hi. Hello. So, um, I think we should kick things off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first and foremost, then we'll get into how we know each other and... Right, um, good question. So I'd say I'm a specialist putting coach and uh, my major subject would be Aimpoint, which is green reading, speed control, strategy, curve creation, uh, teaching the three corners of the triangle, which is you've got a bit of read the green, you've got to control your speed, and then start line becomes important. And so how, so I, um, if we sort of give a bit of history between how I know Jamie, so uh, I'm somebody who always wants to get better at golf. Um, a friend of a friend said you should come to this Aimpoint session by this great guy Jamie came <laughs> along and then two years later I'm an Aimpoint convert I think I've half the people in Suffolk are now Aimpoint experts yes. by oh. virtue of that yeah there's a lot, a lot, lot of good people using Aimpoint yeah. learning <laughs> the way um, and we've just I've actually just had a session with Jamie now just trying to work on my putting doing some cheeky off, off season practice uh, for, for next year but how, how did you get into this yeah. originally? Because it is a bit of a, it's a kind of a niche area and we're seeing it more and more in the pro game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting or could be quite an interesting story. Um, I was a swing coach in Cambridge. Okay. So uh, PGA, uh, played for a bit, just full-time coach. And uh, I was being asked, how, to, how do you read greens? And I had no answer. And uh, you know, I was always a researcher, so I had a good library of books, DVDs. Ev- you know, I, I, I'd research everything before I coached it. Yeah. Um, we're going back to like 2007 now, uh, but I had nothing on green reading, absolutely nothing, which now seems absurd. But at the time, I just thought, well, that's something that people can get better at on their own, or maybe the clock face drill was a good idea. Yeah. But I paid it no lip service whatsoever. I just glossed over green reading. And uh, when I had enough people asking questions about it, I found Aimpoint online. Uh, and Aimpoint at that stage was a, a chart which has 600 numbers which people in the States were using to read greens. 
Okay. So uh, my knowledge of it was it was used in the Golf Channel to predict the path of the putt. Yeah. A guy called Mark Sweeney had written a computer program, 14,000 lines of algorithms, reads any putt in two and a half seconds yeah, yeah. with a 99% accuracy rate. But for me, there was a, a little booklet which people could use to decide how many inches of break to allow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I got in touch and got an instructor over from the States, a guy called John Graham. Okay. And at that stage, I was very much like, I was a swing coach and these guys are going to get together. I had 48 people signed up to do it with John Graham over two days, six two-hour sessions. Uh, and I, my, my opinion was, yeah, let's, let's teach them to read greens and then we'll get back to the swing stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we did 12 hours of it. Uh, John Graham was a great guy. Uh, and I became obsessed with it yeah. because suddenly there was this amazing way of deciding using science where to aim any putt and yeah. any green. Um, and I just you know, stayed in touch with John and uh, Mark Sweeney. Um, and then I met Mark Sweeney probably six months later in the UK. Uh, we got together and we talked about better ways of doing things. I was a tutor for the PGA at the time, so I was able to say, look, you know, I teach uh, training assistants how to teach golf. Yeah. And I think if we change this a bit and add this in, yeah. it would make a difference. And before you knew it, um, I was out in the States teaching on the PGA Tour players with Mark yeah. and I'd left the, my swing job in Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, very much became obsessed with, with, with this method. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like 2010. And so your fascinating story, and I know you and I've talked about this offline a few times, but um, I literally most humble down to earth bloke, but, but you have trained some or been with some ah, of the yeah, yeah. leaders on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Let's do a little um, bit of name dropping. Yeah, I've, I've worked one to one with Adam Scott, Ian Poulter, Brian Gay. Um, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a list. Yeah. And Lydia Coe, um, you know, we've got five world's number ones, past and present, using Aimpoint. Carly, yep. um, I've worked with 50 European Tour players. Um, Several major winners. Yeah. I mean, that, sitting here now thinking about it, it it's, makes your mind spin. Michael Campbell, I've worked with. Um, you know, yeah. And so the fascinating thing, thing for me, because if you've um, been a bit of a golf junkie, obviously watching a lot of it on TV and so on, there's still at times a little bit of, um, I don't know, it's like reticence or a little bit of joking at Aimpoint mm, on yeah. those that use Aimpoint. And yeah. Yeah, I think Butch Harmon quite uh, <laughs> obviously the US Open was saying a few things about Dustin Johnson yeah. and his brother doing some main point. Yeah, yeah. And in fairness, it didn't do him too badly because he nearly won it this year. But, I know, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about kind of that yeah, sort of stereotypical old school I, I would say the, the, only, the only time, and, and there are commentators that have a lot of good stuff to say about yeah, Aimpoint. Yeah, the, the people that sort of negate it or will joke about it they've definitely not took the time to work with Mark or myself yeah. which would give them the, the best rendition on Aimpoint yeah. um, and you know if they haven't tried it they I, I don't know why they how they can disregard it as yeah, such yeah. a powerful tool yet there's commentators that have took time to learn it and all they have is is good stuff to say about yeah. it I think I think with the golf industry my personal take is there's always a new design, there's always a new magic move, there's always yeah, yeah. something that's like a fast fix in golf. Yeah. So we become very paranoid of, of things that aren't, haven't been done for years and years the same yeah. way. 
and I think they thought Aimpoint was another sort of smoke and mirrors style yeah, thing, yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's okay. But since then, like we've had five Worlds number ones, eighty plus tour wins. Yep. You know, there's goodness. I mean, we must have taught seventy thousand people now across the world uh, between myself and three hundred other instructors, and and all we get is really positive, amazing results. Yeah. You know, back down to grassroots levels, to, yeah. to kids. So, um, you know, if you haven't tried it, I don't believe you can knock it. No. Well, and it's true, isn't it? I think because, you know, and I'm an advocate here, and once you're in name point, yeah. and you see the <laughs> values of it, because yeah. you can think you're a bad putter, mm. but honestly, you go on a couple of hour sessions of this, and all of a sudden, you feel you can go to any green, irrespective of how fast it is. I mean, we've, we've just enjoyed the Tavistock short mm. area here at, at Woburn, yeah. um, which is very different to my home sure. track. But I, I, don't, I don't even think about that. I don't care that all of a sudden I'm yeah. reading a putt that could break 10 feet, mm -hmm. whereas in my home track, maybe the best, you're going to get one or two feet exactly. break. So that doesn't worry me whatsoever. I know where I'm going to hit it by virtue of this. You know, system. It's a system for, 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 for taking the factors that affect breaking and managing yeah. them. Yeah. You know, there's no magic in break. The ball can't move towards landmarks or, you know, Generally, most golf courses are sculpted by machines, so they'll put slopes where they want them on the green. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not always looking for bodies of water or the sea, or you know, gravity doesn't change anywhere on the planet realistically. So all we need to know is which way the slope goes and how much yeah. and how quick the green is, and and quickly we can factor in where to aim. Yeah. And so where where are you looking to take it from here? I mean, obviously mm. you've kind of come in the last ten years to finding yeah. this methodology and yeah. uh, yeah, the mass market is the mass golfing market is yeah. knowing more and more about it what's well i mean that's a great, great question um in 20 end of 2014 is when we invented the express read yeah so up till then it was all chart work uh the, the express read is the quickest way to read a green it's incredibly accurate it's it can be used by absolutely anyone uh if you get it wrong you know what you did wrong and you can make a change for the next read yeah. so it's, it's lovely how it constantly calibrates throughout the game. So I don't think we could improve the, the green read itself, but this is the first year we've taught our new speed class. Yeah. So we're teaching speed and distance control, uh, which has been a fantastic year because the feed, we always go by feedback of people yeah. uh, and players, and that's been unbelievable. Yeah. You know, for the first time we're teaching people how to train themselves to develop their speed and distance control. Yeah. So that's been big. We've added in the, the curve or drop point, which is being able to visualize where the curve is in play. Yeah. So now we can, we, can, we can mark that point on any putt and everything has to be done quickly. So it takes about five seconds to predict where the curve will be on absolutely any putt. So if people like to see curves as opposed to straight lines, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can cater for them. Um, however, there is statistical analysis is where we're going next. Yeah and uh, the ability to um, uh, convert stats taken by the player and be able to prescribe drills based on those. Yeah. Uh, and also we have a, a, th a 3D sim, which is uh, in sort of beta phase, which is if we've got the 3D maps for a golf course, yeah. we've got a, an online sim where uh, we can just take the green maps, we can, we can rotate them in any direction, we can blow the green up, we can put heat maps on them, we can put numbers on them, we can put grids on them, yeah, yeah. but cooler we, we can put flags in different positions and balls in different positions and, and the computer will calculate 
the break. Okay. Yeah. I've not told yeah, you yeah. this, have I? No, no, no. So wow, the, okay. Yeah, this is right up your, your alley. Yeah, and, and, and basically you can put the flag wherever you want, the ball wherever you want, and you click play, and, and the computer is the same computer that calculated break for the PGA Tour. I was gonna and it'll say you how much break, how many breaks there are, time of putt, elevation change, uh, the, the feet per second of the ball speed, but more and degrees from straight it calculates. But also the, the coolest thing about this is we can rotate wind 360 degrees and control the strength of the wind. Oh, wow. The okay. speed of the green and your capture speed. So we can say three foot by or one foot or dead weight. So yeah, I mean, it's and that's in beta phase now. And um, yeah, if we've got the green scans of a course, we can, you can do that. You, you're about to come quite popular with PGA Tour players, I'd imagine, who yes. will uh, <laughs> want to uh, Absolutely. practice every single event they're yeah. going to be playing. I mean, imagine, not, not, imagine having access to the, to the break values and the green complexes and designs weeks and weeks and weeks for a tournament. Yeah, right. You know, so, so f and also, when you look at the heat maps, which they go red where the ball would roll off and dark yeah. green is where they're flattest, yeah. um, you, you can also start to work out where pin locations yeah, are. Because exactly. tournament golf, they tend to put them in flatter areas. Yeah, yeah. So you can have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday pin locations yeah. predicted. You can put balls in different directions and you can work out where the hardest and the easiest putts are. Yeah. So for pre-tournament preparation, uh, that's, that's one area because yeah. the the, the players would almost know the greens at the back of the hand before they even get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also green keepers for for you know wear and tear and pin locations and of course yeah. When it's wet, where's a bad place to be? And when it's really hot and dry, where where what part of the green's going to get the beating the most? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, particularly places like Augusta, mm. masters which typically have very similar yes. pin positions mm. for each of the rounds. I mean, they might yeah. they might change them around. On different days, but certainly Sunday pins tend to be relatively consistent. Yep. So you've got someone like they're limited, you see, for how many pin locations yeah. they have. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the greens are so fast there; they they need to have them on like flat or half percent areas. Yeah. Um, so that that's that limits them straight away. Yeah. Um, I know what one thing they have done over the, over the years is 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 work um, on on understanding their green shapes and redesigning the greens appropriately. Yeah. Well, so so again, I mean, kind of someone like. Justin Rose, for example, mm. who's yep. a bit of a name pointer himself, yes, he is. would be all over this type of thing as he yes. gears towards focusing on those major events. Absolutely, and when, whenever a company maps the greens for the green maps, the physical handheld versions, yep. that data's been done. Yep. So once you have that data, it, um, and, you know, once it's sent to head office, if you like, yeah. it can be put into that person's account. Okay. So if, you, if you've got access to the 3D or the XYZ data references for a golf course yeah. um, you, you can access anything and also we should you could be helping to speed up the pace of play <laughs> that's always the always <laughs> the, on the PGA to always on the list because they're getting rid of the green they are getting rid of the green well the, I, I'm not 100% clear on the, the rule but I, I, I the green maps are still there yeah. but they have to be they're limited in size yeah that's right and I believe they're limited with the numbers or characters you can use yeah but don't quote me on that. It's no. it's still not resolved. I'd say yeah. I've not seen a an absolute decision on that. No. But they're not banned. They're they're just limited. Limited. Mm. Okay. Well, very interesting. And so, um, in terms of you mm. and your time, I mean, obviously, again, for the benefit of the listeners, you you see pros, you mm. see Joe Blogs, me, yep. whoever. 
what kind of keeps you going, keeps you motivated, keeps you... Innovation. Yeah, okay. Uh, for me, it's, um, and you've seen, you know, every time we get together and work, I've got a yeah. new toy. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to be uh, technological. It's 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 things to draw chalk lines on the green, um, fake holes, string lines, things that change setup slightly. Yeah. A anything for me, it's it's getting the job done and getting it done quicker, and also for the player to be able to do it when they're not with me. Yeah. Um, because they're not going to have access to 3D systems or, or Sandpot Labs and, or Capto systems. Right. The technology is amazing that you can analyse putter movements and body movements now, but it's what people can go home and use. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's learning new, new ways of doing the age-old task of, of controlling where the ball goes. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel at times that sometimes it, it, it has got too technical? All these mm. bits and pieces we can kind of get run away because at yeah, the end of the day you're just definitely. pulling a putter back and pulling it forward. Yeah, well, well, my take on it is is you, you don't because of how many putts are expected to go in. Yeah, we're over over analysing for sure. And uh, you know, one of the classic stats I would always use is is your average first putt, whoever you are, is around 18 feet. Yeah. So statistically, every golfer's average first putt is around 18 foot. It's just the value is different. So for club golfers, it's for four, five, six. For tour players, it's for two, three, four. Yeah. Now the thing is, at around the 18 foot mark, it's about a 16% make average. Yeah. So for the putt you have, first putt you have more than any other distance, you're making about three out of 20. Yeah. So, so not many of those putts go in, it's just the television that makes it look Looks like more goes in. Yeah, yeah. Or on the day, that player is making more of those and that's why he's leading the tournament. Now the thing is, Missing close is the key, and so technology measures everything to a high, high standard. Yeah. But but you know it's it somewhere there or thereabouts is good enough. Yeah. And every now and then a ball going in is where we capitalise. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know if if our, if if our speed's good, and our green read is somewhere good, and our aim is roughly good enough, you know as a tour player you can make money. Yeah. Um, it's a case of by not having to manage too many variables. Um, so do we, we can overanalyze, and I think there's always a time and a place for when you need to look on um, something like SAMPA or yeah. any of those systems. Um, but most people would benefit from, from doing that triangle relatively half decent. Yeah. You're never going to miss aim so much or miss stroke so much that you miss by more than two or three feet. Yeah. Um, if you hit everything to two or three feet, there's a good chance you're always going to make the second putt. Yeah. So yeah. And and again, just from an intrigue point of view, and again, I know we've we've spoken about this offline, but just talk to me about kind of the differences between working with mm. pros and working with your everyday golfer. Is it the same sorts of <laughs> things, or is it just slightly refining? Oh or man, is it's it's just so it can be so they're all different. I think yeah. uh, sometimes. I tell you what I have noticed is 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 a, 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 a player of, of a certain caliber. You know, we're talking a high-ranking player. will just hit part after part after part, and they, and they just seem to want. They just want to hit a lot of putts. Yeah. Um, sometimes they want to know why it's not gone in. Sometimes they're frustrated by why not going in. Why it's not going in. But sometimes they're very happy just to roll with it because they've got a firm understanding of not every putt has to go in. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's such a such an open question that one because I've also worked with with people club level golfers who are worrying about stuff they don't need to yeah because they think that's what the world's best golfers do yeah 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough question to answer. To answer. Well, I, I suppose it was a bit leading. I was, I suppose, yeah. touching on something that we we touched on yeah. before, which is you know, we get so blinded when we're watching golf on yeah. on TV that all we're seeing are invariably great shots mm. close to the pin and then putts which seem from all manner of feet mm. going in. Yeah, and occasionally you'll see the odd hosel shot if there yeah. if there is a hosel shot, but, <laughs> it, but invariably we're seeing the great stuff, and I think. You know, talking with you and and, mm. and others that I've had the fortune to kind of talk with over the last few years is that pros make a lot of mistakes as yeah. well, but it's just they manage those mistakes. I think exactly. it's important that people know that that you're not going to make every single putt. Definitely, I think the, the, the tour players just their mistakes aren't as punishing. Yeah, they they take advantage of the of the good and the great shots, and then the bad shots are not as damaging yeah. through strategy and control. Yeah, um, but, but you know it's. Uh, it's a great. The, the, some players really don't practice as much as you think, yeah. and some do a hell of a lot more than is necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's just people's tendencies, though. I think there are. Yeah, yeah. And stats have been good because they help us get to the point quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no magic wand with putting, but there is peaks and troughs of performance. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's also being able to understand that you can't putt fantastic constantly. Yeah. So over a period of a year, you'd, you'd see peaks and troughs, and it's about making those troughs less, less deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and try and keep the peaks higher for longer. Yeah, and that's that's where drill work comes into it. And um, I'm I'm, in ama I'm amazed at how bad some of the drill ethics would be with tour golfers. Yeah. Um, as in, you know, just dropping three balls and hitting them to the same hole, or there's the players that go through or use training aids before a tournament round. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm quite surprised that there's, there's not more attention to to building up to the tournament, where on tournament round there's nothing helping them and they're just practicing speed or feel. Yeah. Um, I'm still quite surprised when you see some of the training aids that get pulled out and, and used just before they tee off. Yeah. yeah. Well, like a crutch. Yeah. Well, no, you you see that when you go to any major tournament, you'll mm. see yeah. half a dozen of them around with all sorts of mirrors and. Totally. I, I had the fortune of. Um, uh, going to the Open a few years ago and I had a VIP pass behind mm -hmm. all the media and this was at Troon yeah. and they had like, the practice putting green in front of the clubhouse where everyone else could watch and there was another small putting yeah. green right by the side and, uh, yeah. and, I, and I was standing there and I was watching um, oh, who was I watching? It wasn't Adam Scott, it was another Aussie I forget who it was now but he had, he had so many training aids down yeah, yeah. and then uh, Rory came over mm -hmm. with JP mm -hmm. and uh, it just kind of, it sort of looked a bit bemused and th threw a golf ball down and just, yeah. just was hitting for, for pace. It was fascinating watching how these different Polar guys, opposites, yeah, yeah. just uh, And, and it, you know, it might work, it might work for some people, but, you know, if you're changing technique on a tournament day, you've not done your work building up to that point. Yeah. I think some people just get in such, again, it's like, you can get into routines, can't you? Mm. Like, oh, well, I did this once and yeah, I did yeah. it around here and so Definitely. therefore yeah, yeah. I need to go and do it every like single time. Like superstition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. that's... That's clear in, I suppose, in all, all sports. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I saw a quote from um, Molinari, which was at, like a year ago, he looked at his routines yeah. and just totally uh, trashed the whole thing and started again. Yeah. So he could change all of his routines yeah. and look at the year he's had. Well, he's just been <laughs> phenomenal. Right? Phenomenal, and the nicest yeah. bloke on tour. Yeah, yeah, just sort of just goes about his business and is um, certainly dominated this year, huh? Well, he's. We've probably won, won on the European Tour, the PGA Tour, and obviously the Open. Yeah. Second in the Italian Open, 
second at a couple of other events, just, mm. yeah, I mean, he was, he was different class. Yeah. And it was unbelievable, the Ryder Cup as well. I mean. Yeah, I mean, and, and he'd put that down to just, you know, trashing that routine or practice habits and yeah. redoing it. Well, he always looked like the calmest human being mm. on the golf course anyway. Yeah. He looked like, you, you never knew whether he was hitting 80 or 61. It yeah, definitely. Just, he's very consistent it, with yeah. his moves, isn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of the polar opposite of someone like a Thomas Peters, where you yeah, well, you know. invariably know whether <laughs> he's playing well or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Terrell Hatton. Yeah, I, I mean, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, I mean, where do you where do you sit on yeah. on that? Would um, you, do you mind that? No, I think he's so driven, and 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 I think he's 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 so driven by himself that that overspills into his actions. Yeah. you know, he, he's 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 pushing himself hard, and it's just compassion, and it kind of boils over, I guess. Yeah. You know, and he smashed that tee box. I mean, he will regret it straight away. Yeah, right. But no one wants to see sportsmen that don't care playing, do they? No. And, and that's what kind of fascinates me again about the it's a little thing about the, the game in general is I think there, there are certain ways that we are supposed to behave mm. and anything that's outside of that is kind of looked down upon and yeah. you know, granted smashing the tee box was not great I wouldn't mind if you just smashed mm. his drive yeah. on the ground and a know, second of madness yeah but yeah, we all do it don't we yeah we absolutely I mean, it shows, shows compassion yeah. you know he's not just drifting along happy with I mean he's, he's done very well he's got a very good lifestyle but he wants to make it better, yeah. And that's what that's why we watch sport, right? Yeah. You know, just uh, being an Arsenal fan, we can bring the game at the yeah. weekend into it. <laughs> uh, they, they, if they played with that passion of that local derby every week, then True. then we might be more than just a sort of fourth place team. We're doing all right, isn't it? We're doing great, but imagine that passion week in week out. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm a Leicester City <laughs> fan. I mean, we need to kind of just curb well, our passion. We've been for a bit of a passion. Passion took you to the Premier League title. I mean, that that, that yeah. was the. Uh, the only thing that got you there was the was the massive new belief and and passion. Well, well yeah, yeah, I think the, the drip feeding of the rest of the yeah, the rest of the world almost. Exactly. Going, Please do it because it would be lovely not to have exactly. Man City, Man United, Chelsea, or Arsenal. And 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 you know James Vardy got he would he probably got a high percentage of your yellow cards. Yeah. And and that was his passion. Yeah. But he got he didn't he got sent off didn't he? Yeah. With, that's four games to go when we desperately needed a win. But but, but when he was mixing it up people would be cheering yeah, yeah. and then when Tyrrell's yeah so it's, it's maybe maybe it's uh it, it's like a right time right place but that that's the passion you see his passion got him in trouble with yellow and red cards and Tyrrell's <laughs> was Could, took it out on yeah. a, a tea marker yeah. on one hand we love the passion on the other we don't like to see it so well no but i, I think the other thing as well is it's, it's always quite nice to have a little bit of a, a sort of a villain that you don't mind rooting definitely, for because I, I mean i've always been bit of a fan of Tyrrell Hatton yeah. I, you know, I kind of like a bit of passion yeah. showing out there and a, he, he plays a nice aggressive game uh, and he's backed up now yeah. two two three years yeah. a decent player started playing well on the PGA Tour so and, and um, you've got uh, Patrick Reed. is everyone he's like the pantomime villain isn't he everyone he's, a, he's a different kettle of fish because apparently he's a lovely bloke but then off the course he's just a bit odd and I, <laughs> you know there's some there's some social dynamics going on definitely yes. with the family stuff that's yeah, a bit yeah yeah I mean, but this this is what makes it worth watching right yeah like lee trevino was a character wasn't he oh absolutely i mean yeah maverick yeah yeah so uh i think that's that's what makes sport good yeah so we'll we, have people we'll have to, to say we'll let tour off yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> definitely let him off well look i've taken up enough of your time for today sure. How can people find out about you, Jamie? Okay, well, I'm, I'm attached to Woburn, so my UK, my UK uh, coaching is at Woburn. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Golf Donaldson. Yep. Instagram, I'm at Golf 
uh, sorry, at Aimpoint Golf Europe. Yeah. Email is jamie at aimpointgolf.co.uk. Yeah. So all of those I'm pretty good on. I think my average, my, uh, this last week, my average usage is about four hours a day on my phone. You know, oh, yeah. your iPhones tell you how yeah, much time. Yeah. So that scared that's scared the life out. So, <laughs> yeah. so you can get hold of me that way. Um, and you know, there's, there's, there's videos out there and you know, I think we don't give it away online, but we're certainly putting a lot, if you Google Aimpoint on YouTube, there's, there's stuff to watch and yeah. stuff to ignore out there. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the best way is to have a look at that and uh, get in touch with me. Yeah. If if uh, if you want to, you know, first of all, take care of that where you're aiming, the speed side of it, and then the technique the technique falls in between there somewhere. Yeah. It is important technique, but it would be, I'd, I'd get the first two right first, yeah. and then look at your average miss, the constant miss, the consistent miss, and then we look at what technique causes that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'll put all the details in there at the bottom in the synopsis of the of the podcast anyway so people can go and find you Super. and I would definitely go and look it out I'm a proponent Jamie's pretty active on Twitter and mm -hmm. all the rest of it so he will come back if you've got any queries or questions so and the final question that I don't know I've ever asked you that I've always meant to ask you how many times do you get mistaken on Twitter <laughs> for the other Jamie Donaldson of Ryder Cup fame uh, not as much as I used to but yeah. I've, I have I, tell you, I have turned up to coach because I coach all over the UK doing classes at different clubs so well, that's another another plug there if anyone's yeah. listening who's a pro that would like to offer Aimpoint classes for their members get in touch I, I do about 30 of those a year around the country uh, teaching people's members but um, <laughs> I've, I've been to uh, I'll tell you two stories how about that yeah. I, I've been to clubs and I've introduced myself and after a few minutes people have said sorry are you not the, the Ryder Cup player, <laughs> ex Ryder Cup player, <laughs> come to teach me uh, green reading, and I've said no, I'm afraid not. And um, you know, um, he's got. A, I had a beard first. Now he's got a beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that doesn't help. But the other thing that happens is I get his uh, invite to Welsh Sports Personality <laughs> of the Year award every year, and every year I message him and tell him I got it. So um, if anyone's listening that's in charge of the invites for the players uh, for the Sports Personality Year, you know. So, so you didn't win it then four years ago? No, I didn't win it. <laughs> but I get his invite. <laughs> Brilliant. Super. All right, thanks, thanks Jamie. Well, thanks, Ben. Cheers. So look, there you have it. Um, that's a little bit more about Jamie. Um, I wonder if he's going to turn up again this year to the Welsh uh, Sports Personality of the Year in place of uh, the other Jamie Donaldson. Um, but uh, you can support Jamie by, again, following him on all his social media. Uh, his Instagram, uh, just to repeat, is Aimpoint Golf Europe. On Twitter, he's at Golf Donaldson, and his website is jamiedonaldson.co.uk. Um, if you are interested in Aimpoint, do reach out to him. Uh, he's pretty um, uh, pretty responsive on uh, on social media, so we'll come back to you. And if it's something you are serious about, I would highly recommend you either going for one-to-one -one sessions or group sessions with Jamie at Woburn. They've got some fabulous short game facilities there, as well as obviously three fantastic golf courses for uh, for you to play as well um but failing that i think it you know what i how i got to know him was he came to a local club near me in suffolk um and uh, he did sort of group 
uh, group sessions there. It's another great way for you to learn and, and to get a whole bunch of you together to, to learn about how to read greens better so that, you know, whether you're playing at your own club or you're going to, to playing uh, other clubs elsewhere, you don't have to worry about reading the greens. It really does help. So look, do, do support Jamie. Uh, go and find him uh, on all the different social media and he'll definitely be back in the new year. I've already told him there's loads more topics that he and I talk about that I would love to talk a little bit more on. But as a first snippet, hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, and I suppose finally, uh, this will be the last podcast before Christmas. So wishing you and yours a very happy Christmas and festive period. And I will be back in the new year with a kind of a roundup of 2018 and a preview of what to expect in 2019. Uh, so for now... Thanks so much. Have a great time. Hopefully you get to play some golf in spite of weather over the next coming couple of weeks and look forward to catching up with you all in the new year. Thanks. Bye.